you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. Week to week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure that is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. Anybody feel that way tonight? Anybody need him in the house? Anybody need him in the house? Woo! Hey! I come to, to thee. Come on, one more time, would you put your hands together and somebody shout, here I am, Lord, I come to thee. Amen and amen. Feels good in the house of the Lord tonight. Anybody feel the presence of God in the room? Amen. What an honor to be here at the awakening. Amen. And I feel good in the house Second Chronicles chapter 20, Second Chronicles chapter 20, 
I'll begin there in verse 1 as you're turning to 2 Chronicles chapter 20. Let me say what an honor it is to be in the house of the Lord tonight. What an honor it is to be in this great church here at this great conference. Amen. With such great people. I give honor to your pastor tonight, the host pastor, all the pastors and ministers that are in this room. Thank you so much for being here tonight. And what an honor it is for me to stand behind this sacred desk and uh, bring the word of the Lord to you tonight. Amen. The Lord really spoke to us last night. I felt some people left here last night free from some chains. Amen. Amen. Anybody thankful for the word of God last night? Head first. Amen. Tonight I feel and believe that God's going to speak to us tonight through his word. Going to be some chains breaking in this house tonight. 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 1. When you have it, just shout, I got it. It came to pass after this also that the children of Moab and the children of Ammon and with them beside the Ammonites came against Jehoshaphat to battle. Then there came some that told Jehoshaphat, saying, There cometh a great multitude against thee from beyond the sea on this side Syria. And behold, they be in Hazan Tamar, which is in Gedi. Watch verse 3, and Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. Somebody say, Jehoshaphat feared. Tonight, if you'll allow me just a few moments, I want to preach to you on this subject, the divine transfer of fear. The divine transfer of fear. Will you pray with me right now? God, we love you so much. And we are so thankful to be in this house right now. We have felt your presence in this room from the very prayer that was prayed at the very beginning of this service. And God, I pray tonight that your word would do its work. Help your manservant get out of the way so your word can be paramount tonight. And God, help us to not only be hearers of the word, but be doers of the word also. And we'll be careful to give you the praise and the glory and the honor. And would you put your hands together now, lift up your voice. Somebody shout in Jesus' name. Shout it again in Jesus' name. You may be seated in Jesus' name. Man, this is a very, um, very highly preached sermon uh, from 2 Chronicles chapter 20. And uh, if you don't recognize the story, hold on a little bit, you will. Um, very preached about uh, chapter. Uh, really, most of the chapter is preached about from the perspective of just a couple of verses. And I'll bring those verses to your attention here in just a moment. But I like to go back in this story and preach some things because there is a portion of this story that is never really told that I believe is very powerful in how we get to the powerful point of this story. There is a powerful and uh, a, a most paramount peak in this story where we preach from and that paramount moment is very powerful, how, but how we get there, how we get to that place is really the practical side of preaching, amen, amen. Sometimes we preach a concept, but we don't preach a practicality of how to get to that concept. There is a practical way to get in touch with the throne room of God. This is not hype, this is not mumbo jumbo, this is not fantasy, this ain't Harry Potter. This ain't the Lord of the Rings. This is the real deal. 
Amen. There's no sooth, there's no seance, there's no special prayer you can pray. No certain amount of time. There's, there, 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 there is no 12-step program. If there was, that's all we do. God, God, knew, God knew that if we had uh, some kind of elixir, or if we, if we had some kind of blueprint, that we'd follow the, that blueprint and we wouldn't do anything else. He knows us. And so sometimes you can pray three minutes and God will show up. Sometimes it takes 30 minutes. Sometimes it takes three years. Sometimes it takes 30 years. Prayer is unquantifiable. You cannot quantify prayer. You can't. Not biblical. Elijah prayed uh, 64 words and fire fell. He had to pray seven times for rain to fall. Now, what's easier, fire or water? Water falls all the time. Fire falls very rarely. Because you can't quantify prayer. You can have a month-long prayer meeting and God not move a drop. And you might have a 10-minute prayer meeting and God do move mountains. Amen? So when, when we come to the Word of God, there is a practical approach. How do we get to this place? Well, the story begins like this. The story begins that there are several armies that are joined together, and they're coming to kill Jehoshaphat and the children of Israel. And I love how the word is, is very specific in this detail that Jehoshaphat was afraid. You ever been afraid before? I'm talking about really afraid. You've been trapped in a church at night in the dark. There's nothing more terrifying than a church in the dark. Why is that? You know why? Because you know all the devils that you go to church with and you wonder if that spirit is lingering around in the darkness, going to jump on you. Yeah. It's just a spooky place. My parents left me sleeping under the pew as a child. We left, we lived across the street from the church, like across the yard really. I say, I say street, across the yard from the church. They left me asleep under the pew. They was at home chilling, having a good time with saints in the church. And I walk in pale, and it's hard to make me pale, by the way. I haven't really been in the sun a whole lot lately. I was born this way. Um, so I come in pale. I'm terrified. They're like, what's wrong? I was like, I was trapped in the church, and I'm pretty sure I seen the devil. Fear, fear is very powerful. If you've really ever been afraid, fear has a way of either paralyzing you or making you do things that you didn't think you could do. I talked to a friend of mine into going on, uh, I think it's called the Screaming Eagle at Dollywood one time, and he's terrified of heights. But he said, you know, if, if there's something under me, I think I'll be fine. And we got up to the top of the ride, and he said, nah, bro, you lied to me. And I man-shamed him into getting on that ride with me. Look at these little kids getting on the ride. You're going to go back down them stairs. Look at these little kids, man. You're you a grown man. Look at these little children. I man-shamed him to get a ride. Halfway through the ride, he's yelling, he's yelling at me, I hate you. I will never come back to here with you again. We get on the ride, and he's just like paralyzed. Like we, The ride ends, and he's just like frozen because he's so petrified because fear would just paralyze you. But it would also make you do stuff you know you could do. Some of y'all ladies have one, one hop jumped up on the table when the little mouse ran across the kitchen. You ain't ever jumped that high in your life. 
You didn't even know you had hops. White man can't jump, but white woman can when a mouse comes out. Oh, yeah. Like you was in the Olympics. Sign her up for track and field. Let's just put some mice on it there. You'd be hurdling because fear make you do crazy stuff. One time I was preaching, we had just started the church in Loganville, Georgia, and we was in a, a, just a giant warehouse. I say giant. It was a 5,000-square-foot warehouse, but most of it was just, just open, and we didn't have no money at, in the beginning, so we were just in an open building with concrete floors, and I had built like this little wooden stage, and it was very primitive. And the, the walls were made, and there was these rails going, like where the walls would join, the rails were still sticking out. From that, and I was preaching well Sunday morning, and I was preaching good, like real good, like fantastic. I was doing a great job. I was preaching, and I was trying to land the plane. I was trying to bring the message to a close, you know, and, and my organ player had got on the organ. He was playing a little bit, and I was preaching. There's about maybe 40 people in the room, and I was really getting it, and I said something, and the whole crowd said, oh. I thought, mm, that was real good. <laughs> Preach, preacher. You know, mm, I didn't even know what I said. I was like, well, that's fantastic. I'm going to go back and listen to that. Whatever I said was real good because the whole, literally the whole crowd, everybody said, oh, it's all pulled back. And then I looked over and I noticed the organ had stopped playing. So I looked over the organ player and he was gone. He was out here. I said, how did you move so fast? And, and, and then people were just staring. And I was like, what's going on? And my, my, my organ player is standing in the altar and he's going, squirrel. Squirrel. And behind me on one of those rails, a squirrel just ran out, looked at everybody, ran down the wall, and ran into a hole in the side of the wall. I didn't see it. But fear. And I just said, you're dismissed in Jesus' name. Have a great week. True story. I just dismissed. You ain't getting that back, you know. I don't care how good you was preaching. You're not getting that back. And I, I wanted us all to get out of there before we could sing the song, The Day the Squirrel Went Berserk, <laughs> in the Pentecostal Church in Loganville, Georgia. I don't want that to happen to us, so I just dismissed. Let's get out of here, and let's figure out what the squirrel problem may be. Fear. Fear will make you do stuff that you did not know you were capable of. But, but watch Jehoshaphat in verse 3 of this chapter. He says, the Bible says that Jehoshaphat is afraid. This is, this is what he is physically afraid, but... In the same sentence, he says, and set himself to seek the Lord. Here, here is what fear should make us do. Fear should make us pray. Listen, it is possible to be afraid and pray. Amen. You say, well, the Bible says more than 365 times you know, to not be afraid, one for every day, that preaches real good. However, it's hard to live that out because fear is real. And fear will make you fear for your family and fear for your future and fear for your children. And this guy has several armies that have joined together to collaborate to make one giant army. And they are coming to kill him. And he is afraid. But instead of him letting his fear paralyze him or letting his fear make him run away, he falls on his knees and he says, God, we need you and we need you now. Oh, 
Hallelujah. There's some folks in this room today, you are dealing with fear, and fear will paralyze you. It will grip you. It will derail you. It will distract you. The fear of failure and the fear of success, the fear of being hurt and the fear of hurting someone, the fear of being alone, the fear of being misrepresented or misunderstood, the fear of being betrayed or misled or misguided or losing position, and some have the fear of gaining position, some have the fear of the spotlight, and some have the fear of no spotlight at all, but we all have something that makes us afraid, and if we're not careful, fear will kill you, fear will derail your ministry, fear will derail your future, fear will make you lose out with God, fear will make you miss your appointment, fear will make you miss your destiny, it is not God's will for his children to live in fear. And if you are in this house tonight and you have fear, I did not come to judge you or condemn you. I came to encourage you. You ought to fall on your knees and say, God, I'm afraid, but I know you're on the throne. I'm afraid of what might happen next, but I know you're on the throne. I know you are God. The Bible says he puts himself in the right posture. He begins to pray. He begins to fast. He tells the whole tribe of Judah. He tells the whole, all the people of Israel, fast with me. They're coming. And, and, and we don't need to sharpen spears and sharpen swords right now. We don't need to build defenses or dig trenches. We need to pray. Oh, hallelujah. When I see people starting to get their, you know, gather the wagons and start to sharpen spears and I'm going to tell them this and I'm going to tell them that, I get very fearful for people because we wrestle not against flesh and blood and it ain't time to circle the wagons and it ain't time to load the rifles and it's not time to get out the swords and the spears. No, we need to pray. We need to fast. And I know this church has been in some prayer and it's been in some fasting and God's about to do something that's unprecedented because you put yourself in the right place posture. We don't need warriors. We need worshipers. We need prayer warriors. We need people that know how to touch God. Hallelujah. This part of the story always bothers me because uh, if I was Jehoshaphat, I would have been strategic. I mean, they came and told me that they're coming. I mean, if you think about this thing with, you know, full amenity of your mind and look at it sub objectively and not subjectively, you would think, you know, why would we not just go ahead and put this thing together? Like, why would we not get some captains and, and, and put an army together and to start getting ready to fight? But Jehoshaphat has a whole other plan altogether. He, he's not circling the wagons. He's not, he's not getting together captains. He's not training people. He's not getting together bows and arrows. He's not, he's not working towards putting up any kind of defense in the natural. He knows that this army is too great for him to defeat. So he has one option and one option only, and that is turn to God. Let me say this to you. If every time trouble comes in your life, every time you can fight that battle and you fight that battle and you win that battle, it pushes you farther away from depending on God. And God will continue to send greater enemies into your life. Let me say that one more time. As long as you think you can do it, you'll keep doing it. 
So God will just keep sending more and more powerful things until you realize I cannot do it. And my only option is to turn to God. Some of y'all facing some trouble right now that you can't defeat. And this preacher's got a word for you. Turn to the one who can defeat it. You cannot win this battle. You cannot beat this thing. You need to turn to the only one that has an answer for your future. God, this is too big for me. I need you. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. Now, I, I, I told you this was going to be a practical message, so I, I want to show you what they did. Let me show you how the prayer started. They, they called a prayer meeting, like a countrywide, nationwide prayer meeting. Let me tell you how the prayer meeting started. And they said, the Bible says he gathered themselves together to ask help of the Lord out of all the cities of Judah. And Jehoshaphat stood in the congregation in Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court. And he said, O Lord, our God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? That doesn't sound like uh, the way I would start a prayer. <laughs> hey, Lord, you're so good. You're so kind. You're so dope. I love you, Jesus. Like, like you know, I want to make sure. But Jehoshaphat starts like, Lord, aren't you God? We don't pray like that. We struggle to pray like that. The Lord's really been dealing with me, and I preached a little bit about it last night, about how I pray. Because the Bible said I can go before the throne room boldly, but I rarely do. I go before the throne room, you know, just poor pitiful me, God please. Jehoshaphat says, God, uh, I thought you was God in heaven. Didn't y'all think that? Didn't y'all think he was? Are you not God in heaven? And rulest not thou over the kingdoms of the heathen? And in thy hand is there not power and might, so that none is able to withstand thee? Art thou not our God? Seems like he's being a tad bit disrespectful. It look, his prayer bothers me. Makes me nervous. I'm waiting for God to go, boom, yes I am. Extra crispy. <laughs> Hallelujah. But God's ways are high above our ways and he's not easily offended like we are. What Jehoshaphat is doing is he is reminding God of who he is, but he's also reminding himself of who God is. He's saying, God, you told me that you were God. I didn't say that. You told me that you were my God. I didn't say, you said that. Sometimes we have to remind God of what he told us. Amen. What the, the Bible says this, that his word will not return void. That means if you bring him his word, he is obligated to fulfill what he said he would fulfill. And sometimes you have to go to God and say, God, are you not the king of kings? Are you not the Lord of lords? Are you not the prince of my peace? Are you not Jehovah Jireh? And Jehovah, I didn't say that, Lord. You said that you are the God that healeth me and taketh away my infirmity. God, you said that by your stripes I am here. I didn't say that. The word said that you are the rose of Sharon and the lily of the valley and the fairest of 10,000. You said that you never leave 
me and never forsake me. You said that if you were for me, who can be against me? You said. Oh, I feel good right there. God, you said you are Adonai and Elohim and Emmanuel, God with us. God, you said you never leave me, never forsake me. You said you were as close as the mention of your name. God, you said in the time of trouble, I had a strong tower. God, you said. Sometimes you got to go to the throne boldly and say, God, let me remind you. Let me remind you that you said you could do exceedingly and abundantly above all I could ask or even think. You promised me, God, and you said that you are not a man that you should lie. And you said that you own the cattle on a thousand hills. And you said the silver is yours and the gold is yours. And you said the whole earth is yours in the fullness thereof. God, you said it, not me. I didn't say that. I did not put those expectations on you. You put those expectations on yourself. I didn't make this up. I read it in the word. And when I read it in the word, I was confident. So I walked like my God was powerful. And I talked like my God was powerful. And I lived like my God was powerful. And you gave me a promise. And so I walked into my promise. And now you're going to let him take my promise that you gave me? The devil is a liar, God. You are strong. You are able. You are mighty. You're the lily in the valley. You're the rose of Sharon. You're the bright in the morning star. You are the God that was, that is, and is to come. You are able. You are more powerful than anything. Let me tell you what happens when you start talking to God like that. If you read down from verse 6 all the way down to verse 12. He's just talking to God like that. He says, our God, will thou not judge them? Verse 12. He said, God, will you not judge them? Look what they're doing to us. They're coming to kill us, Lord. Will you not judge them? Huh. Will you not do your thing? For we have no might against this great company that cometh against us. Watch this. He says, neither know we what to do. When you make God strong, you must in turn make yourself weak. He's only strong in my weakness. As long as I keep standing around thinking that I got the answers and thinking that I know what to do, as long as I keep acting like I'm unteachable, and, and I know it all. Come on, hallelujah. I'm, I'm preaching to somebody. As long as you keep, as long as you keep driving around pretending that you're not lost and not stopping and asking for directions, God is not about to help you. But he said, in your weakness, I am made strong. And when they said, God, we don't know what to do. In one hand, we lifted you up. And the other hand, we humbled ourselves. We don't know what to do. When's the last time you went to God in prayer and said, God, I am clueless. Lord, I got an idiot brain. And you gave it to me. Preach. 
neither know we what to do. Watch what he says. But our eyes are upon thee. God, we are clueless. We are scared. We are afraid. We cannot defeat this company. They're coming, and they're coming in full force, and we are scared, and we need you, Lord, now. We don't know what to do, but we're looking to you. We're just looking to you, Lord. We are, we are afraid. Our children are here with us. We, we don't know what the future holds, but we are looking to you. And verse 13 says, all of Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives and their children. Just looking to God. Watch this. And upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Methani, a Levite of the sons of Asaph, came the Spirit of the Lord in the midst of the congregation. They said all that to God. God, we, we, God, they come to take our promise, and, and you're going to let them take it, God. Will you not stand for us? Will you not judge them? Will you not, will you not adhere to the promise that you made us? And, and God, we don't know what to do. So we're here looking towards you. And the Bible says the Spirit came on Jehaziel. I looked that word up, Jehaziel. You know, everybody's name in the Bible means something. Let me tell you what Jehaziel means. Jehaziel means the eyes of the Lord are upon me. They just prayed and said, Lord, we don't know what to do, so we're looking to you. And when God spoke, he speaks to a man whose name means God sees you too. The reason God ain't looking at you is because you ain't looking at God. You keep looking to your money. You keep looking to your finances. You keep looking to your friends. You keep looking to your family. You keep looking to that bank account. My God. You keep looking to the preacher. You keep looking to the people. No, 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 no. If you look at God, God will look at you. God said, you see me, I see you too. You cannot talk to God that way and not get a response from God. God will respond to his word. He will respond to his promises. For his promises are yea and amen. God made some of you in this room some promises. God has made this church some promises. And it's time to remind God of the promise he made. God, the devil will not take my promise. He won't have my family. He won't have my children. He won't have my anointing. He won't have my ministry. He won't. I made up my mind that I'm going to tell God what God needs to hear so he can tell me what I need to hear. God, you see me, I see you. And he said, watch verse 15. He said, hearken all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat. Thus saith the Lord unto you, be not afraid. <laughs> Isn't it so powerful that Jehoshaphat is fearful? The Bible said he is afraid. And the first words that God speaks to them is be not afraid. Do, don't be afraid and don't be dismayed by the reason of this great multitude. And here's where we like to preach from. For the battle is not yours, but God's. 
You know the reason that God is not fighting your battle is because you haven't told him yet that it's his battle. You're not hearing me. You keep fighting. You keep getting out your sword. You keep getting out your sling. You keep getting out your bows and arrows. But when you say, God, I will come to remind you that this battle is yours. God said, you're right. This is my battle. I gave you this land. I gave you this promise. And the battle is not yours, but it's mine. The reason God ain't fighting for you is because you keep fighting for yourself. The reason God ain't on your side is because you haven't asked him to get on your side. You still got the bumper sticker on your car that says God is my co-pilot and that's why you're in a mess. You need to get in the co-pilot seat and let God pilot. Hey, put down your sword. Put down your sling. Put down. tonight to tell somebody the battle isn't yours you gotta give it to God let God fight it let God handle it let God change it God will not fight a battle that it hasn't been given here's the practical side of this of this we like the preachers the battle ain't yours battles God no 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 there's more to that than that verse. The practical side of that verse is you got to tell God, I don't know what to do. You got to remind God of his promise. You got to say, God, I'm not looking to nobody else. I'm looking to you. You keep looking at your mom and dad. Thinking they're going to bail you out. And I'm not talking to the teenager. I'm talking to some of y'all grown folk. Married. Still going back to your mom and dad. I'll let the preacher handle that one later on. You keep looking at everybody else, but you're not looking to God. God said, if you look to me, I'll look to you. But you ain't looking at me. You keep looking at everything else. You keep staying up late on www.godknowswhat.com trying to find out your answers to everything else, but you haven't brought it to me. And if you'll ever get on your knees and say, God, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do, but I'll look to you. God said, okay, I see you too. You don't have to fight this thing. It's mine, it's mine, it's mine, it's mine, it's mine. And he has never lost a battle. He said in verse 17, you shall not need to fight in this battle. Set yourselves. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, O Judah and Jerusalem. Fear not, nor be dismayed. Tomorrow, go out against them, for the Lord will be with you. Wait a minute, wait a minute, Lord. You mean I still got to go? Absolutely. You cannot stay home and watch Netflix. You got to go, baby. You cannot take a break. Just because this is God's battle don't mean you don't show up. You still got to show up. Lord, I thought we could stay home and eat Cheetos. No, 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 no. You got to go to the battle. Lord, 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 I thought you was going to do this all by yourself. Oh, I am. But you at least got to show up. God ain't fighting for some of you because you don't show up. 
He made you a promise. He told you this battle is yours, and you took it. You you took a week off. You took a month off, and you hang back. Well, God's got this. No, God said, show up. If you show up, I'll fight it. But it don't mean you get to stay home. Tomorrow, go out against them. Tomorrow, go out against them. I come to preach to somebody right now. Tomorrow, go out against them. Get up out of your bed. Wash your face. Put some good clothes on and go out against them. Don't take a day off. Don't take a week off. Don't take. Go out against them. Get yourself together and go out against them. I'm not walking in my confidence. I'm not walking in my skill, but I'm walking. You got to go out against them. You got to go. You can't stay home. You can't take a day off. Go. Go fight them. Go fight them. Wait a minute. You said I don't have to fight. That's what I said. Just go. No, no, no. I thought thought the pastor was going to pray for me. We had 40 days of fasting, but I didn't fast because I thought somebody else was going to fast for me. I mean, the church is going to be blessed, right? I mean, I didn't. I didn't pray. I mean, but I mean, my pastor been praying, y'all. My pastor prays for me. <laughs> my pastor fasts for me. I mean, I mean, I don't really have to necessarily because the battle is not mine. You know, huh? glory to the Lamb. Tomorrow, get up and go out against them. Don't stay home. Don't take a Sunday off. Tomorrow, go. the worst thing that some of y'all could do against the enemy is just wake up and go outside. Some of y'all don't even know this yet, but the greatest thing you can do in the battle you're in is just show up to church next Sunday with a smile on your face and just say, glory be to God, I'm here. And if you show up, God will show out but you got to show up, baby. Tomorrow, go out against them. For the Lord will be with you. He's with me. So they rose up early in the morning. Verse 20. They got up early in the morning. Somebody need to stop sleeping in. Get up early in the morning. Hey. I don't got time to pray. I know because you sleep till 10 every day. I, I can't read my Bible. I know because you stay in the bed. The Bible says early while I seek thee. I'm confused about preachers who talk about, you know, they don't get up early in the morning and pray. No, that's, you need to get up and pray. Y'all looking at me like I'm crazy. No, I'm for real. You need to get you a time every morning that you spend with the Lord. Well, I work third shift. That's fine. Find a time. Whatever, whatever morning is for you, baby, find a time. Find a time. I got, the Bible said we got up early in the morning. We got up early in the morning. We got up early in the morning. We were afraid. We were fearful. But I got a word from God. And I got up early in the morning. And I went forth into the wilderness. And Jehoshaphat said, hey, all ye inhabitants of Judah, Believe in the Lord, and you shall be established. Believe in his prophets, and you shall prosper. 
Some of you are established because you believe in God, but you haven't prospered yet because you don't believe in your pastor yet. That's another message for another service. But if you want to prosper, you believe in the prophets. If you want to prosper, you believe in what the man of God has to say. Judah said, you heard what God said. Judah said, you heard what God said? Believe in God. But also believe in his, in his prophet. He said, because now God gave you some stuff to do, but I consulted with the people, and the Bible says he appointed singers unto the Lord. He said, trust me in this. We don't need archers, and we don't need swordsmen, and we don't need cavalry. We need singers. What you talking about, Jehoshaphat? Listen, you believe God, now believe me. Sometimes God will speak to the man of God, and he'll ask you to do something that's out of your comfort zone. He'll ask you to do something that don't make sense. But if you believe in God, you'll be established. But if you believe in the man of God, you'll prosper. I'll show you what's about to happen. Because all God has to do here, listen, all God has to do here is win the battle. And he has fulfilled his side of the deal. That's all. God didn't say nothing about prospering. God didn't say nothing about spoils. God didn't say nothing about you're going to be enhanced. God just said, I will fight this battle for you. But the man of God came behind God and said, now listen, we're going to appoint some singers. And they're going to go out first and they're going to sing and worship God. Shouldn't, shouldn't we send the cavalry out? I mean, man, pastor's crazy. Pastor got us doing all this stuff. I just don't know about all this stuff. Pastor got us praying, got us fast. I mean, my goodness. I mean, what, what in the world? I mean, but if you want to prosper, believe in the prophet. And when they begin to sing, verse 22, when they begin to sing, they begin to sing for the Lord. Praise the Lord for his mercy endureth forever. And when they begin to sing and to praise the Lord, the Lord set ambushments against the children of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, which were among Judah against Judah, and they were smitten. For Ammon and Moab stood up against Seir and utterly destroyed them. And then when they had got done fighting Seir, they helped to destroy one another. And when Judah came toward the watchtower in the wilderness, they looked to the multitude and behold, they were dead bodies on the earth and nobody escaped. What'd you do? All we did was sing. Pastor said sing. Pastor said worship. Pastor said pray. Pastor said fast. Pastor said let's go. Pastor said give. Pastor said work. And that's all we did. And God killed every one of my enemies. Who am I preaching to right now? Believe in God, you'll be established. Believe in the prophet and you will prosper. They were all dead. That's God's part of the deal. You will be established. This land will be yours. You will be established. I killed them. This land is yours. You're established. But because you believe the prophet, look what they got on them. 
And Jehoshaphat and his people came down to take away the spoil from them. Verse 25. And they found among them in abundance riches with the dead body, precious jewels. And they stripped them for themselves more than they could carry away. God never said that. God never talked about jewels. God never talked about prospering. He talked about being established. But when the prophet said... The prophet said, if you listen to me, you'll prosper. Where there is no vision, the people perish. But where there is a vision, the people prosper. Oh, yeah. That's why I wouldn't go to a church if the pastor don't have vision. But if you're in a place where the pastor has vision, you ought to get behind the vision. Because whatever the prophet says... It's going to bleed over into your life, into your family, into your bank account. God's going to do a work in you because you believe the prophet. They stripped off for themselves more than they could carry away. And they were three days in gathering the spoil. Watch this. It was so much. It was so much. It was so much. I've never been blessed to a place where I said, Lord, you got to stop. This is too much. I would like to try that at least once in my life. But the Bible said it was so much. I got a word for somebody in this room. If you will get behind the man of God and you'll say, Pastor, when you say pray, we're going to pray. When you say fast, we're going to fast. When you say go out, we're going to go out. When you say sing, we're going to sing. When you say give, we're going to give. I promise you, it will be so much. It'll be so much. I want to preach my message. Verse 28. They came to Jerusalem with psalteries and harps and trumpets in the house of the Lord. Thank you for the battle. Thank you for helping us. Thank you for saving us. They came to they, they, they praise and they worship God. Look what God has done. Thank you, Jesus. Verse 29. And the fear of God was on all the kingdoms of those countries. When they heard that the Lord fought against the enemies of Israel. This story started, Israel was afraid. But it ended with the enemies being afraid. There was a divine transfer of fear. Devil, if you would have known what was coming to you before you touched me, you would have never touched me. But the fear that you tried to put me under is about to be divinely transferred off of me and onto you. You should have never touched my anointing. You should have never touched my ministry. You should have never touched my children. You should have never touched my home. You should have never touched my marriage. You should have never touched my family. Because now I'm stronger and I'm more powerful. And you are about to experience the fear that you tried to put on me. 
I come to tell somebody tonight, if you put down your weapons and you lift up your voice, God is going to move that fear off of you and he's going to move it on to your enemies. And they won't touch you because they'll be afraid to touch you. God will torment them. God will put it on them. I'm reminded of a story. I'm reminded of a story that T.W. Barnes used to tell about a witch that called him in the middle of the night. She called him in the middle of the night. She said, T.W. Barnes, I want to kill you. I'm cursed. I curse you. She cursed Brother Barnes over the phone, told him, you're going to die. Brother Barnes said that night while he slept, a spirit came into his room and began to mess with him in his sleep. He woke up fearful. He woke up afraid. This, 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 this apparition in his room, this, this spirit was trying to choke him. And he said, in the name of Jesus, I command you to leave me and go back to the witch that sent you. And a few hours later, his phone rang. And that witch said, Brother Barnes, please get this thing off of me. It's trying to kill me. Whatever you did, please help me. And Brother Barnes prayed, and the spirit left that witch. But let me tell you right now, the spirit that came against you and the spirit that came against your family... I don't know who I'm preaching to in this room, and I'm almost done preaching, but there's some folks in this room, you came in here tonight, you didn't know what to do, you were so discombobulated because everything's going wrong in your life, I came with the word, if you will praise him, and you'll sing a song in the middle of your mess, I know a breakthrough is coming, by faith I see a miracle, my God made me a promise, and it won't stop now. You ought to take a few moments right here and say, God, I don't know what to do, so I'm going to worship you. God, I'm clueless, but I'm going to give you praise. God, I'm wounded, but you are good all the time. There's about to be a divine transfer of fear in this house. There's about to be a divine transfer of fear. It's about to leave you and jump on your enemies. It's about to jump off you and jump onto those people that tried to push you down and tried to vex you and tried to derail you and tried to distract you. The devil is a liar. God is exalted. The devil is a liar. God is exalted. Praise the Lord for his mercy endureth forever. Praise the Lord for his mercy endureth forever. Hallelujah, come on. Right now, here in this moment, I want you to lift your hands all over this room. All over this room, lift your hands. It's a sign of surrender. Lord, I surrender my weapons. You know what you can? The cops say, put them up. You got to drop your weapon to put them up. 
Put down the gun. Put down. I surrender. It's the, it's the universal sign of surrender. God, I surrender. I lay down my weapons and I lift my hands. I lay down my abilities and I lift my hands. God, in your presence, I lay down my skills. I lift my hands. I believe that's why David danced out of his kingly garments into his linen garments. Because he was telling God, God, to these people, I'm king. But in your presence, I'm just a man. It's the universal sign of surrender. And it's also the universal sign of victory. And God's about to do something in your heart right now that has never happened before if you'll let him fight for you. I see ambushments in my mind. I see angels coming out from the ground. I see ambushments. The enemy's coming against you. The enemy's coming against your family. The enemy's coming against your anointing. The enemy's coming against your future. The enemy's coming against your destiny. But I see ambushments coming up. I see angels jumping up from hiding places. And they've been waiting for the moment to fight for you. Come on, angels are fighting your battle right now. You just keep praising. You just keep saying, praise the Lord for his mercy endureth forever. God made me a promise and I believe it and it won't stop now. God's about to do it. Come on, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Come on, that's it. I don't want to preach you into some hype. I don't want to preach you into some hype. I want to preach you into some change. I want some change to happen in your heart right now. I want you to lift those hands and say, God, I give it to you. I give you this battle. I give you this battle with my kids. I give you this battle with my marriage. I give you this battle with my heart. I give you this battle with my mind. I give you this battle. Woo, come on, I feel it right there. I feel it, there's a breakthrough. I see a breakthrough. I see a breakthrough. I see a breakthrough. I feel a breakthrough. There's a breakthrough happening. Somebody get in that flow right there. Get in that flow right there. There's a breakthrough coming. I know that I know. Want to reach over and get you a praise partner real quick. Get you somebody close to you. Come on, they went out together. They went out together as an army. Husbands, grab a wife by the hand. Brothers, grab a br brother. Sister, grab a sister. Grab somebody by the hand and say, hey, I'm going to dance with you. We're going to dance together here in just a moment because there's a breakthrough coming. And I'm dancing on the grave of my enemies. They came against me, 
They may be afraid, but I'm praying that when we worship God together, there's going to be a divine transfer of that fear. And that fear is going to leave me, and it's going to go on the enemy. And the enemy will be fearful. Every time I wake up in the morning and put my feet down, the devil's going to say, oh, no, he's up again. Woo. Come on, get your praise, partner. Come on, sing with us. Sing it again to worship you. Come on, would you just turn your attention to him for just a few more moments before we leave tonight? Just tell him.
let it flow, sing oh, 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 yeah, as a company of praise, just sing that out, sing oh, Come on, all over the room, from the front to the back, sing oh. Time before we leave, sing to worship you. To worship you, I live. To worship you, I live. I live to worship you. It may not feel like it right now, but God's fighting somebody's battle as you worship Him right now. To worship you, I live. Come on, He's tearing down the to powers of darkness. He's breaking chains that haven't been broken in years. He's healing hearts and minds. He's touching family members right now. He's putting back together broken dreams and broken promise right now as you worship him. Sing Joseph had appointed singers. That's all he needed was singers to worship you. There's power in your voice when you cry out to him. That's why there's something so powerful that happens when you lift your voice and you just sing to him to worship you.
out, just lift your voice and do that right now. Just do exactly what the song said. Just praise him and worship him. Come on, let it flow through the house. Oh, he's fighting. <laughs> he's fighting for the Lord God strong in battle. <laughs> Who is the king of glory? He's the Lord God strong in battle. Hey, he's fighting right now. He's fighting right now. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's tearing down some walls that you can't tear down. He's coming against the enemy that you can't come against. Come on, the devil's going to regret the day he ever touched you. He's going to regret the day he ever messed with your family. He's going to regret there's a divine transfer of fear. Come on, don't wait on me or the music or anybody else. Why don't you take about two or three minutes and praise until you get a breakthrough.